0: Capital Market
1: Insights from ICMA. Welcome to this special fintech and Digitalization episode of the ICMA podcast series. Uh, my name is Oliver Tinkler, Senior Director of ICMA and Head of Press Communications. In this episode, we're going to discuss the recent paper released by ICMA entitled Considerations for Risk Factors and Disclosure in DLT Bond Offering Documents. Uh, You can find a link to the paper in the podcast description, along with other helpful fintech links. I'm delighted to be joined by the co-authors of the piece, Gabriel Carlson, Director of Fintech and Digitalization at ICMA, and Alexander Tolast from Clifford Chance, who is counsel and member of the Global Financial Markets and Tech Group. Uh, Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining. Gabriel, if I could uh, turn to you first. What are DLT bonds and what has ICMA's role been in supporting its members in the development of the industry?
0: Yes, thanks, Oliver. Let me perhaps start with a bit of background first. So the paper that we published is part of ICMA's strategic focus to foster the development of DLT-based bond markets and for it to become a reliable source of funding for the real economy. Now, over the course of the last two years, we've seen a marked increase of the number of transactions in jurisdictions across the globe whether in France, Luxembourg, Switzerland, or Hong Kong, just to name a few. But at the same time, this emerging market segment still faces a number of legal, regulatory, and operational challenges. So what has become evident is that the development of this market segment requires a concerted effort across the industry. And I swear DIT Bonds Working Group plays an instrumental role in bringing together all constituent parts of the international bond markets. So from public sector and private sector issuers, banks, investors, central banks, market infrastructures, law firms, rating agencies, and vendor firms. Now, to come back to the first question, what are DLT bonds? There are different terms that are being used, and you may have heard digital securities, for example, where sometimes the question arises whether this is the same or similar to dematerialized securities or tokenized securities, or digital assets, where it is less clear whether one refers to securities or crypto assets, that are not deemed securities. So, in short, a DLT bond is essentially that instrument whose register of ownership is stored using DLT. And ICMA's FAQs on DLT and blockchain bond markets discusses this in more detail, and it is available on ICMA's website.
1: How did the idea come about to prepare this paper in relation to risk factors and disclosure in DLT bond documentation?
0: So, this initiative originated from ICMA's DLT bonds working group, which consulted its key constituencies namely issuers, investors, underwriters, market infrastructures and law firms separately earlier in 2023 to discuss how ICMA could best support scalable, efficient and liquid cross-border DLT bond markets. Coming out of those discussions was the conclusion that ICMA could best achieve this through, first, harmonization common standards, second, advocacy and outreach, and third, education and thought leadership. And within the harmonization common standards work stream, one of the objectives is to identify areas of convergence from a legal perspective and foster transparency towards investors and the market more broadly. So the considerations for risk factors and disclosure mark an important step in the evolution of this emerging market segment.
1: And why are risk factors and disclosure in DLT bond prospectuses seen as a matter of particular focus? Well,
2: I like to see prospectuses as brochures where you're presenting information on two things, the issuer and the securities. And so the purpose of any prospectus should really be to provide sufficient information to investors so that they can make an informed investment decision. Um, investors are generally less familiar with DLT technology um, and therefore that there is a need to adapt DLT bond prospectuses accordingly. Um, in part to educate and, and to bring them up to speed on potential risks and, uh, and also share key information about DLT with them. Um, obviously, it's not easy to get the balance right, um, particularly when we're in the, you know, if you think about the traditional world where you're dealing with normal securities, we don't go into any detail whatsoever about existing IT systems or the technology used in the life cycle of bonds. And there are theoretically technological risks um, with normal bonds and, and cybersecurity risk and, and the risk of failure of a central server, for example. Um, but we don't deem them material enough for insertion. So we felt this was a, an interesting exercise to, to do, to, to see what's been put in DLT bond offering documents so far um, and there are there any sort of lessons to be learned from that.
1: And how did um, ICMA go about preparing the paper?
0: So the publication of this paper was a collective effort of ICMA members who are active in the international debt capital markets. And this required a number of steps. So first, under the DLT bonds working group, we set up a legal group bringing together leading legal experts from law firms and other market participants who have been involved in the issuance of DLT based bonds. The group then conducted a review of the bond offering documents and final terms that are publicly available, but it also drew on the market participants' expertise who have been involved in transactions that were non-public, for example, in the case of private placements. And in total, around a dozen of offering documents have been reviewed across jurisdictions globally, from Australia to Hong Kong, Switzerland, France, Luxembourg and Germany, for example. But it was equally important to gather feedback from ICMA's wider DLT ones working group and other IGMA committees to take on board different perspectives beyond
1: those who are in the detail What did the analysis of the precedents reveal in relation to risk factors?
2: I think something that we saw quite quickly is that there are three broad categories of risk factors that we've seen inserted. So um, there are technological risk factors and, and that can cover a number of things such as Risks specific to public blockchains um, so forking for example um, and then technological risks that are common to all digital asset platforms such as cybersecurity risk or errors in, in code and so on um, the second category that we noticed was risk relating to of legal and regulatory frameworks um, and that's mainly because these frameworks for digital securities are a new and remain subject to scrutiny and, and there's a risk that they may evolve um, and then the final category is, is liquidity risks um and so that's where even where bonds aren't mr trading on a recognized trading venue um or when just by virtue of that digital bonds are, are a new product that they sort of uh, investors are less familiar with them um now i wouldn't say that, that there's any one risk factor which appeared systematically in all precedents um and one should definitely be careful about saying that just because we've seen risk factors in the past they should feature in in future documentation um, but certainly I think these three categories it's its very helpful to think in in those terms um, and in each of the precedents we saw there was always one risk factor from each of these three.
1: What did the analysis of precedents reveal in relation to other disclosures?
2: Well it, it revealed that um, uh, some precedents have additional sections which you wouldn't have in a normal, um, uh, normal bond. Um, so this is a bit like the the ESG market or the SLB market, where you might have a an extra section uh, on sort of the sustainability um, linked financing aspects or the strategy of, of the issuer. Um, here we're seeing extra sections which are really um, unique uh, to DLT bonds. So. Um, to give a few examples of that we've seen sections um, talking about the role that the key intermediaries play um, and that includes in relation to, to KYC, aml and, and sanctions um, we've seen disclosure on the process and mechanism for transferring debt instruments um, and that, that can include the use of smart contracts for example um, we've seen extracts of the business continuity plans of the platforms that are being used for the issuances. Um, and we've also seen disclosure on, on the environmental impact, if any, of the underlying blockchain. And also, I think it's worth mentioning that whilst it's not strictly speaking disclosure, we have seen precedents with limitations of liability in relation to um, the DOT-related disclosure. And we've also seen a number of deemed representations and warranties from investors, um, partly because of concerns around sort of losing control of, of who gets the bonds or who receives the bonds on on the blockchain. Um, I think, really, the key observation here is that um, there is no universal approach to these topics. It is still too early to say that when doing a DLT bond, you should have additional sections covering X, Y, and Z. Um, But I think there's a universal recognition that thought has to at least least be given to whether new sections should be added in. Um, And there's a recognition that obviously if you're doing a DLT bond, um, it is different to a normal bond. um, And and there are perhaps um, different disclosure points that, that, that should be considered.
1: How should an issuer go about preparing a DLT bond prospectus on these points? What considerations should it take into consideration?
2: Well, I think that you know, there are a number of public offering documents out there. Um, in our paper, we do list um, a number of the the risk factors that we've seen, which might be helpful. Um, but but I think it is necessary to take a a more holistic approach, take a step back, and then you know think well, what what are what are the risk factors that we should be inserting, and and what is the additional disclosure? It, it it shouldn't just be a copy and paste job from other precedents um we've identified seven things that that we would expect um issuers and anyone involved in the transaction to think about um the first one is is the type of blockchain being used so if you're using a public blockchain or a private one whether it's permissioned and permissionless um, this has an impact on the risk profile this has an impact on um you know, some of the considerations for investors. So um, that should certainly inform any decision. Um, then you've got to think about, you know, what's the purpose or, or the nature of the transaction. Um, so far, the, the structure of DLT bonds has differed each time because new innovations are tested, um, you know, particularly thinking about the, the cash leg and whether you're going to use digital assets in the settlement. Um, the, the, the intermediaries involved can can depend upon the, the Operational decisions that are made and, and structural decisions. So that's something that, that needs to be thought about. Then you've got obviously type of issuer, and, and this is the same as it would be for a normal bond. You've got to think, well, what's the nature of the issuer? Is it a corporate? Is it a bank? Is it a, a sovereign or quasi so- sovereign? Um, and that's obviously tied to creditworthiness. Um, you know, and and yes, um, Sovereign issuers might have different reputational risks to to other um issuers so all that needs to inform um the thinking um, you've then got the listing considerations so whether the the bonds are listed as trading on a on a regulated market in Europe or if they're unlisted um because if they are Are mr trading on a regulated market then you you might be falling within the scope of the prospectus regulation which will tell you what you need to put in your in your prospectus um obviously targeted investors is important so are you targeting retail investors or are you targeting a specific jurisdiction um that can all change market expectations as to how much detail you go into in in your prospectus um and then there're just two more so choice of governing law we felt was was very important um you know, the the jurisdiction chosen for issuance can have an impact on legal certainty not necessarily because the, the you know the legal frameworks are badly designed but maybe just they haven't been tested yet and, and and so there may be some room for interpretation from regulators um or changing views on on how laws should be interpreted um going forward um and then also coming back to an earlier point um the, the the choice of jurisdiction or the choice of governing law can have an impact on the form of the bonds um, and therefore, the nature of the intermediaries involved. And then the final point is obviously, if you're doing a transaction through a regulatory sandbox, such as the EU pilot regime or the UK FMI sandbox, um, it probably is worth having disclosure in your firm and documentation about those sandboxes. Um, and, and that may be risk factors, and, and it may also be separate standalone sections. I think that would need to be thought about in more detail at the time.
1: Uh, what? You know, when you look at the overall conclusions of this exercise, you kind know, of what what were they for you both? Well, looking at the paper
0: and the the conclusions we've drawn from it, I think it's fair to say that it's been broad in terms of governing laws and precedents that have been reviewed uh, by the working group, whether it was under Australian law, under English law, French and German law, etc. Um, but with a caveat that this market segment is still in its early stages, and clearly. As Alex alluded to, a key observation here is that additional risk factors feature in bond documentation. And broadly speaking, they can be divided into three categories technology risk, uh, the evolving legal and regulatory environment, and also liquidity risk, and the limited liquidity for DLT based debt instruments. But of course, the number and scope of such risk factors will largely depend on the structure of the transaction. So, in particular, on the type of DLT infrastructure. And as we just discussed, so or additional disclosure wording might also be necessary depending on the perceived complexity of DLT and also the lack of familiarity that investors may have with its impact on not only primary issuance, but also the secondary market and custody. And importantly, also, the paper that we publish is not legal advice or guidance, but the aim is to share insights into legal considerations that issuers, underwriters and investors have taken into account in one way or another in recent bond issuances. It is still early stages, and the market for DLT-based debt instruments is evolving, and it will therefore continue to be necessary to take a case-by-case approach to risk factors and other disclosure in, for each transaction, where certain structures provide more complexity than others.
2: Thanks, Gabriel. I, I completely agree. I, I think if we want to scale the DLT bond market, which which we do. We're going to need to to cut down the time taken to prepare the documentation, and I think this whole exercise and the paper should hopefully be be helpful in that regard and, and be a useful starting point for anyone who wants to launch a DLT bond project.:
1: Thanks very much to you both, kind of Alex and Gabriel for that. And if you want to kind of learn more about this um, about this DLT paper, there is a link in the podcast description uh, to this paper and many other fintech assets. Uh, including kind of FAQs. I'd like to thank Gabriel and Alex very much for discussing this paper again. And and if you're interested in DLT or other aspects of fintech and digitalization, just a reminder that the ICMA Fintech and Digitalization Forum is being held on the 5th of December in London. Uh, The event is free to attend and the links to view the agenda and to register are also in the podcast description. So until next time, gentlemen, thank you very much for your thoughts here and uh, speak to you soon. Take care.
2: Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.